Welcome to Vineyard Hopkinton. As we follow Jesus together, we experience the Holy Spirit, create a multicultural community, and pursue kingdom of God justice. Stephen, morning, morning. I am going to be uh, preaching out of the book of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew. If you want to, if you have a Bible and you want to uh, make your way there, chapter one, that would be great. If you don't, I'm going to have all the words up on the, on the screen, but I just like to mark up my own Bible uh, when people are preaching or take notes. Uh, have you ever been surprised by God uh, in any way, shape, or form? Uh, I mean, have you been surprised by God's existence? You know, I grew up, as I've said many times uh, in my life, uh, many times preaching, that I didn't grow up in a church, I didn't grow up in a Christian home, and uh, I, I was surprised that God actually existed, pleasantly surprised. And with most surprises by God, they are always pleasant. Uh, it's, you know, uh, although often God says, uh, when an angel appears, or it says, hey, don't fear, because our response is often, wow, God is a lot more awesome, powerful personal than we, than we realize. But have you ever been surprised by God's personalness? Like God does something personal in your life. Or have you ever been surprised by God doing an absolute miracle? And, and you know personally that that's a miracle because you know the circumstances of your life and your situation. And God is just surprising you or surprises us by how personal he is. Uh, has God ever surprised you by speaking to you? Now, let me just tell you something. We use inside church language, which means God speaks to us. We just use that phrase like regularly. But really what we actually saying is, has God communicated to us? Because very, very seldom, I don't, I've never heard God speak to me in an audible voice. But I've certainly heard God communicate with me in all sorts of ways. But have you ever been surprised with God communicating with you, and I just use the word speaking to you, uh, and particularly the way God ended up communicating with you or speaking to you? Have you ever been surprised by that? Because God, some or other, has a way of just getting around our defenses and communicating with us in a way which always leaves us saying, God, I wish you'd communicate more. Uh, and I wish you would just like give me a, a little bit more information. I need some more facts. Uh, uh, I, I have more questions. And God sort of leaves us there saying, hey, listen, the life is actually a life of faith. And I'm going to give you enough, but I'm going to give you a desire for more. And that's the way God does it with you, does it for us. Has God ever surprised you with uh, the purpose that he has for your life? Has God ever really just revealed something to you and said, hey, I'd really like you to do this uh, for me, or uh, here's something that if you do it will be really meaningful and fulfilling in your life? Uh, has God ever surprised you in that way? I've titled this uh, message this morning, Being Surprised by God. What a shock. <laughs> Being Surprised by God in Your Life. And uh, today I want to look at the story of Joseph. Uh, in, as told through the gospel of Matthew, the, the first gospel. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because the first 
gospel uh, tells the story of Jesus' birth through the lens of Matthew. And the third gospel, the gospel of Luke, tells the story of Jesus' birth through the eyes of Mary. And uh, the other two gospels don't say anything about it. It's just <laughs> those two gospels. Uh, which is also interesting in and of itself because, uh, you know, we're talking about the per parousia, the God being with us, God's presence being with us, and being surprised by God. And it's a twofold surprise and a twofold um, message. The one is Christmas and being surprised by God this Christmas. And uh, of course, when we look back in history, Jesus is already born, so it's not a surprise to us in that sense. Uh, but the other part of the equation is being surprised because Jesus promises that he is going to come again. And part of the Christmas message is actually, it's a dual-pronged message. It's focusing on Jesus' birth, and it's focusing on Jesus' return. So with all that, uh, let me just pray. Uh, Jesus, I just pray that, firstly, you'd empower me to preach. I just ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me your words. And Lord, I just pray for hearts to hear and ears to hear and mind to hear, Lord, what it is that you're saying to each one of us today. But Lord, I pray that uh, you would actually surprise us today in this message. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Uh, let me uh, read to you, Matthew, this account. Uh, this is Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother, Mary, was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her fiancé, was a good man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Okay. You know, there's something very interesting about this to me. Uh, Joseph is, is challenged. He knows that Mary is pregnant, and he knows that he wasn't part of the equation. And his brain uh, is saying, look, I've got a problem here. I've got a problem believing i got a problem with dealing with my fiancé, and uh, if you were here last week, you would have heard Sarah's very, very good uh, sermon, and if you didn't hear that, you missed out on something. But as uh, Sarah, you know, eloquently pointed out, uh, that scientifically, uh, there was uh, a challenge here. It's saying, okay, uh, this is a complete miracle, and Joseph is wrestling with this, and uh, he says, you know, it's like, Okay, what do I do? He comes up with the best solution he can come up with in his human form. And that is to make sure that Mary is not stoned for like committing adultery or, or something. And to honorably uh, kind of resolve this issue and deal with the problem. And so he's going to do it gracefully. He's going to do it in the best way he can. He's just going to quietly divorce her and, you know, break the engagement and it'll all be good. And so... When we realize this, uh, we realize that God has got to break in here. And uh, one of the challenges that we have with God is to kind of 
figure out that God can get by our defenses and God can get by our intellect. Uh, that doesn't mean that we don't have to have intellect. Uh, it doesn't mean that uh, we need to be stupid. In fact, it's quite a, a common um, sort of ploy nowadays is to uh, sort of paint the picture that all Christians have checked their brains out. And uh, if you're a believer in God in this modern day and age, in this scientific age, you must really be stupid because, you know, clever people don't believe in impossible things like miracles. I want to just pause there for a moment because this is a really a, a sad narrative. We know that, um, you know, since this country was founded and up until recently, you know, like, like 100 years ago, like the clergy were often the most educated, most well-respected people in the community. And we are pretty well aware, I'm part of the clergy, that in today's society, clergy are like at the bottom of the rung. Uh, you, you know, like used car salesmen, sure, insurance salesmen, sure, clergy, yeah. And you know it, every time you go to a Christmas party or any party, it's like, what do you do? Oh, I'm the minister. Oh, nice meeting you, you know, uh, who else can I? But listen. Let me just uh, point out something here to you. This is really, really interesting. According to the Nobel Peace Prizes, since 1901, the last 100 years, reveals that 65% of every person receiving a Nobel Peace Prize is a, is a, a believer, is a Christian, and has identified themselves as a Christian. What's very interesting to me is 72.5, got to be very accurate here, of all uh, Nobel Peace Prizes, prizes in chemistry, 72.5% of all chemistry Nobel Peace Prizes of committed believers. 65.3 in physics, 62 in medicine, and 54 in economics, of all things, claim to have a Christian background. You know, it's just really interesting to me. I mean, even Angela Merkel, the, the, the chancellor of Germany, who's, you know, been incredible after 16 years, like the whole of Europe has rallied around her. You know, she's a PK. She's a pastor's kid. Her parents are, are Lutheran pastors. But listen to this, of some of the famous people in history and currently who are, have faith in Jesus. Francis Bacon, Galileo, <clears throat> Blaise Pascal, excuse me, Isaac Newton. Now I'm going to Christian, I have a French-speaking person in our audience today, so <clears throat> and Antoine Lavoie, I, I, I'm sure I didn't even come close to pronouncing that, but he's regarded as the father of modern chemistry. Uh, Alessandro Volta, an Italian who invented the first electric battery, and the, the term Volt was named after him. André-Marie Ampère electromagnetism, and in, obviously the amp was named after him. John Abercrombie, a textbook about neuropathology that he wrote. Benjamin Silliman, uh, the first guy to distill petroleum and the founder of the American Journal of Science, the oldest scientific journal in the United States. Uh, Louis Pasteur, renowned for his discoveries in vaccination. Uh, Willem Rontgen, a German engineer and physicist who discovered x-rays. George Price, an American uh, geneticist 
who was a strong atheist, and after studying more and more in genetics, he became uh, a committed Christian and ended up writing a whole series of uh, New Testament commentaries. Mary Kenneth Keller, American nun, who was the first woman to earn a PhD in computer science. Jerome Lejeune, French pediatrician and geneticist, who was an expert in Down syndrome. John Houghton, a British uh, atmospheric uh, physicist who won the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change. Nee Addy is a neuroscientist uh, who studied science, uh, substance abuse and depression. And Pat Gelsinger, the CEO of Intel, who visited our church, uh, I think, a few times when he was vice president of EMC up the street. And then Francis Collins, who is uh, the head of the U.S. National Human Genome Research Institute, and uh, Fauci has been Fauci's boss. He, wrote, he has written a book, The Language of God, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief. And then what about this lady, Kismika Corbett? She lives in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and was the person that discovered Moderna, the Moderna vaccine. I'm really glad I got Moderna. Go Boston. And then uh, Andrew Pollard, who was a British COVID-19, uh, does COVID-19 uh, studies and has been a leader in vaccines for many disability uh, diseases. I mean, we just have so many people that are uh, really just incredible uh, brains uh, that believe in God, has seen God not only um, work through them, uh, but are motivated by him. I remember Pat Gelsinger, the, the CEO of Intel, when he was here. I mean, if you want to be uh, inspired and exhausted by somebody, uh, as I was just listening to Pat at a men's breakfast, I mean, the guy is just like, I, I mean, it's just exhausting to be around because he's just so darn brilliant. I mean, he's, he's, he gave us a little five-minute exercise to work on. And while, he's doing, while we're working on the exercise, he's going through index cards, memorizing scripture. I remember like, wait, the guy's just, and he, has, he had like a schedule, like, you know, he had to be home at six o'clock every day. He had, a, he had a commitment with his wife that he would not be one minute late. And so his life was just like so rigid, but it was driven by, by performance, but driven by God. Like he really wanted to be the, wants to be the best that he can be for God uh, and was outspoken about it. So I think there's just uh, a lot of people that have been inspired by God. But what I'm saying is this. One touch by God can totally change your perception of God. If God speaks to you, God does a miracle through you, God opens up something that you just had never seen before. One touch by God, one encounter with God can rapidly change your opinion of God. It just does. Uh, let me just read the rest of the story because one touch of God through a dream rapidly and completely turned Joseph around here in a way that is just uh, remarkable. Verse 20, uh, as he considered this, breaking off his engagement with Mary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Okay, just let this sink in. An angel appears to him. 
in a dream. <laughs> this is an unusual way of God speaking to us, right? Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. This is still the angel talking. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. I mean, we don't know a whole lot about Joseph in the Bible. He's kind of a really humble guy, which is a great trait. Uh, he sort of blooms on the pages here in the beginning and then really just disappears. But we, look, we can learn so much from him. Uh, you know, even in that story, you just think of what many powerful things are happening to him as God communicates. A dream, an angel, and then says something very specific. Okay, God did this through, you know, immaculate conception. Uh, and then, then it quotes like a passage out of Isaiah. I mean, this is quite a dream. Uh, it, it's God breaking through all our defenses. But I want to quickly go through five ways that God surprises us. Uh, when God communicates with us. There are five surprises in this story that uh, we can experience as well, that God can surprise us. Joseph was uh, surprised by the richness of his heritage. And what I mean by that is this. Uh, Joseph clearly knew that he was Jewish. He clearly knew that being Jewish was rather special, uh, that they were God's chosen people. But more than that, he was more than aware of the fact that uh, he was from the lineage of King David. And that was kind of something special because there were these prophecy, prophecies that the Messiah, that God, was going to come through that lineage. And uh, so he was really special. And God indeed used that lineage as we see in this story. But here's the thing which is also interesting. You know, if we look at the opening of this gospel, the genealogy, we can see for 26 generations, God did nothing through people that were coming through the lineage of David. So Joseph has got to have been surprised that God used him. Now, friends, listen, for those of us that are Christians, we believe that we are really special people. We are chosen by God. Uh, God found us. We didn't find God, by the way. He was never lost. But we were lost and God found us. Now, I mean, that's like really special. And uh, there's this really great special promise that, you know, after we die, we're going to be risen like Jesus was and spend eternity with Him right here on this recreated earth. I mean, it's, it's really a special uh, promise. But we can also become dull. It's like, yeah, we heard Jesus is coming back, but it's been like a long time. 
you know, even the Apostle Paul thought Jesus was coming back, but like he hasn't come back. And in a similar way, Joseph was like, yeah, there's lots of people that have been in this lineage and the Messiah is going to come through somebody. But then all of a sudden it happens. And it's like, whoa, what a surprise. And God can surprise us in the same way. And, uh, you know, think about our rich heritage. How does it impact you? Are you ready? Would you be surprised? Second, uh, second uh, point I want to make here. Joseph was surprised by the, wo- by the way God chose to speak to him, the way God was communicating to him in a dream. I mean, <laughs> this is like crazy. This is the primary way that God ended up speaking to Joseph, through dreams. And Joseph, to his credit, as soon as the dream was over, responded. It wasn't like, say, okay, God, I was dreaming, you know, like that was vague. No. And you know what? God spoke to Joseph in a dream again after this. And that was, Joseph, get your butt out of there. You're going to get killed. You and baby Jesus, go down to Egypt. And then he's down in Egypt, and God speaks to him in a dream again and says, hey, it's all okay, come back. And then he speaks to him in a dream again and says, don't go to Bethlehem, go to Galilee. I mean, it just seemed like this was God's preferred method when dealing with Joseph on how to speak to somebody in a dream. Now listen, I don't know about you, but all my dreams are pretty weird. I mean, I, 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 if I can remember my dream when, I woke, when I've woken up, it's like, woo I actually remembered it. I mean, it's just like a few days ago I said to Liz, I, I just had this like weirdest dream. And believe me, it had no consequences. It was just like weird. I, I don't know what else I can say about it. Often you guys are in my dreams. I mean, it's, I don't know if that's a nightmare or a blessing. I, I don't know. But, but, you know, it's like you can't make head or tail of them. It's like, well, I can't. And then I was thinking about this. I said, you know, God's speaking to, to us through dreams. And I realized that I actually had one dream where God really spoke to me. And let me tell you, I've never had a dream up until that time where God spoke to me. And now it's a bunch of years later, God has never spoken to me in a dream since then. And the dream that he spoke to me in, and I've shared this with you before, I was down in Connecticut. We were at a pastor's meeting for Spain, talking about our missions upcoming, like whatever. And we were praying about how God was going to use us uh, and asking God to use us and asking God to direct us. And I went to bed that night and God woke me up in a dream. And I just did what I normally did. I just dismissed it. I'm like, this is weird, uh, whatever. Went back to sleep. And a few hours later, excuse me, God woke me up in a dream, the exact same dream. And I, I, you know, I was wrestling with it. And then I went back to sleep. And then a third time, God wakes me up in the same, with the same dream. And this is what he said. He said, Rob, I want you to go to Osuna, Spain. That's weird. Osuna's like about this big. Totally unheard of. Then God gave me the exact date that he wanted me to go to Osuna, Spain. And that was weird because it wasn't like soon. It was like a year and like, you know, eight months later. It was just like a weird time frame. And then God gave me a very specific uh, phrase of what to do there. And he told me to go and stir it up. Now, friends, I don't know about you, but that wouldn't have been my choice of town. It wouldn't have been my choice of timing. And I'm still trying to figure out what God meant by stir it up. And I asked God, please, I need more details. I need more help. And so we went. 
And so we did. And so we did the best we could. And I told you, it rained for 28 days. I, it was just like all my best plans of what we were going to do didn't happen. And I came back very discouraged. And I thought, okay, this was a waste of time. And yet we prayed. We prayed that whole town. And God did amazing things. And even on this trip when I came back, I met my friend from Osuna. And he said, Rob, I just want to tell you that God is stirring it up. And I'm, again, I nearly fell over backwards like... And then he explained to me, you know, how and what, and, and I can share that with you. But I ask you this, has God ever spoken to you, be it by dreams, be it by, by preaching, be it through when you're worshiping, be it when you're praying, be it because somebody else is talking to you? And how has God spoken to you, I should rather say, because God is speaking. Uh, just let's not limit the way that God uh, chooses to speak to us. third way we can be surprised by God. Joseph was surprised by God in what God was asking him to do. Have you ever been surprised by God, what he's asking you to do? You know, God asks us to do surprising things. And the worst thing that we can do is just not obey God. And I, and I don't obey God. I just like struggle. I know I'm a pastor. I know I should be perfect. I know I should be obeying God perfectly. Uh, but I was surprised with what God had asked me to do. God asked me to go into full-time ministry. And what did I do? The exact opposite. I ran from God for 10 years. You would think, like just if I had this much smarts, if I could have been on that list of all these smart people, you'd think I would go and like just prepare for ministry and like get a proper education. No, I just carry on doing my own thing. I like, you know, industry and accounting and finance and just kept... And then finally, okay, God, you know, I back up. And then I was really annoyed with myself. Like, why did you waste all that time? You could have been preparing. Look, you'll be surprised what God is asking you to do. All I can say to you, don't do what I did. That's a great example, right? Just obey God. <laughs> It'll go much better for you. You'll be much happier. God will give you much more purpose. It'll be much more fun. Just obey God. And if, by the way, you think God isn't speaking to you, perhaps you should think back and say, God, is there something that I haven't obeyed you in? And is it perhaps that, like, you're still waiting for me to do that thing before you're going to give me further instructions? Uh, because that can be the case too. Not always, but can be the, the case too. The fourth way that Joseph was surprised how God uh, speaks, and that is how God uses the faith community. You know, God does not uh, just like be lone, have us be lone rangers. He uses other people in the community. Uh, he spoke to Joseph because Mary was connected. And he spoke to Mary because she was connected to Elizabeth. And God said, okay, Mary, this is pretty incredible, uh, as uh, we heard last week through a really great sermon uh, by a really great preacher. Uh, and uh, we realized that Mary could actually go and see Elizabeth and see that she's pregnant. And like, okay, this is an incredible thing God asked me to do. But God uses the faith community. I am so sick of hearing people say, you know, I believe in Jesus. I just don't believe in church. Every time I hear it now, I just tell people, look, I don't believe that. I'm sorry, it's just not possible. And people get, well, I'm so offended. They say, I'm offended with church and the church is... I understand there's a lot of reasons, and church has given you a lot of reasons why church is a problem. But my friends, 
This is the way God chooses to communicate to us. And the church is just never going to go away because it's part of God's plan. So, yeah, church is messy. And yes, there's a lot of human issues in it, but it's God's vehicle. And God uses the church community to speak to you personally. He uses preaching. He uses a comment that's made in the, in the lobby. He uses somebody praying for you uh, in ministry time after. God uses the church community to communicate to you. He just does. Last point. Joseph must have been surprised at the faith of Mary. Uh, you know, he must have just been, like, amazed. Like, he knew Mary. And yet... Mary's response was just amazing. Okay, uh, God, just do it unto me as you please. Uh, I just want to obey you. Uh, just a wonderful, wonderful response. And uh, again, I, I just appeal to you. If God is speaking to you and if God is asking you to do something, your natural response is going to be this. God, I need more information. God, I need to know uh, more facts. And uh, often God is just not going to give that to you. He's going to give you a little bit, and He's going to say, you have to live by faith. I've given you enough. Not nothing. He's going to give you something. But it'll be enough. And uh, <laughs> as humans, we just want more and more and more detail. And God says, study the Bible more and more and more and more. Go to church more and more and more. Get, you'll, you, all the pieces will fill in. But we've got to live and walk and act by faith. I uh, want to have the worship team uh, come on up as we wind down here. Let me just conclude this way. What is God saying to you today? What is God surprising you in? What have I said today that really just surprises you? You're like, you know, I just hadn't thought of it that way. Or... Yeah, maybe God is going to actually speak to me or work through me that way. Why don't you just say yes to God and say, yes, God, I give you permission. Work with me. Work in me. Use me. Surprise me. I, I give you permission. I put down my defenses. And uh, let me suggest, if you've been a Christian for some time, that you might need to refresh that. And say, God, just, just forgive me. I've not been, you know, the perfect disciple. Uh, speak to me again, freshly. Help me to obey you. God, I, I desperately actually want you to speak to me. I want you to guide me. I want you to encourage me. I, I, I need your help. It goes very well when you work in my life. And maybe you've never actually ever even considered asking Jesus into your life. And I'd say, friends, do it right now. Say, Jesus, I just invite you into my life. I just ask your Holy Spirit to live within me. And Jesus, I give you permission to challenge me, change me. In your name, Jesus. It's a quick, simple prayer. But when you do that, God responds. Uh, it allows you to have connection with God. So uh, let me pray. Jesus, I just pray that you'd work in the hearts and the lives of every person here today, that you would surprise them with what it is that you are doing. 
Lord, you are a glorious God. You're a majestic God. Lord, you're a powerful God. Lord, we can't fully understand your ways. We can't fully comprehend you. And we worship you. And we choose to worship you. We thank you, God, for this Christmas season, for your presence. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Let's, uh, let's stand and let's just uh, really worship God with enthusiasm.